I would say for most people, data model doesn't sound really exciting. It sounds like uh, some nerds thinking about databases, um, some, I don't know, weird schemers on a big whiteboard where, I don't know, you have some blocks and some arrows go from them. And so these kind of things. Uh, but today we talk about um, the Google Analytics data model. And trust me, it will not become really boring. I think it will be quite interesting, even when it is um, a more technical topic. But I think, and that's the reason why it is episode two, is it's so fundamental to understand the data model of Google Analytics and how it will change with Google Analytics 4 so that you understand everything else that is coming after it. Because basically the switch of the data model explains a lot of stuff that is different now in, in GA4. And so in the last episode, um, you already learned a little bit about the history of Google Analytics and how Google Analytics in the end became what we call Google Analytics Universal, or aka the version 3, and what in the end, on a totally different track, became Google Analytics 4. And so we learned in this episode that both versions were not really like um, built on top of each other, but more like there were different tracks and they had different purposes how they were built. And these purposes um, basically have a huge influence on the data model. And so when we look on the data model of, the, of Google Analytics Universal, so the one that basically, I guess, most of us still work with, is um, it derives from the page view. And so the page view, and we will talk a bit about the page view now, because um, the page view was basically uh, the cornerstone how the data model of Google Analytics, the old Google Analytics, was built around. And so in the old days, a page view um, was basically like, I don't know, a standard set or standard setup. So just imagine, uh, I would say you just have to go back, I don't know, five, eight years. Five, eight years ago, when you go on a website and you click on a link of this website and you go to a different page of the website or to a different website, so whatever. Um, let's say you navigate through Amazon and so. Um, whenever you click a link, it basically loads a new page. So what's happened technically is like it sends a request to some kind of server and says, hey, yeah, so someone uh, wants to see page one, two, three. And then the server says back, cool, um, here's the data for page one, two, three. And, um, and so it loads a new page. And for example, all these requests are then also logged into an access log uh, on the server. And as, we, as you know, if you have listened to episode one, it's like, this is basically the, the foundational technology uh, where Google Analytics started. So making access log data more accessible. And so 
Access log is really around um, requests, and a request is basically a page view. And so this is how all works together. So, um, And this is the reason why, why Google Analytics was all about page views from the early days, because they basically started with it. And um, I think in the in the early days when, when you were working with analytics, it was it was really like totally sufficient to do that. And so when I started to do web analytics, that was the stuff that was important for us. Because in the end, since every click on a website means you load a new page, um, tracking page views was totally uh, sufficient. So you knew everything. I mean, I mean, it might be, sound weird, but it was at that time. So when you were filling out a form in a website and you click submit, so you basically come to your new page. Uh, if you would have a task management, so you would enter a new task, so it loads a new page afterwards. It's not like how you have it today that you click a button and then it appears like magic in line of the list. Uh, we come to this in a second, uh, but uh, when analytics started, it was not like this. Every click means a new page load. And so that was totally fine. So we didn't really need anything else. So we just needed the page views. But then, uh, as just mentioned, then came what we what was called at that time the Web 2.0 movement. And, um, and this basically introduced... It didn't... I mean, it was not really introducing. It was more like using stuff that was already there, but taking something which was really like an edge technology and make it a core technology of websites. And so I think there, there are several examples who started at the same time to play around with these things. But um, the one that I remembered most was Basecamp. And so... And, they had a lot of hype around it. And so Basecamp was the first one where you basically had a, uh, a form input field on a website and you can put something in it and you can click um, add and then just magically hides the input field and then shows the new entry in a list without any kind of loading. So it, it's just happening. Quite fascinating when you saw it for the first time, I can tell you. Um, and so but the interesting thing is like... Um, because it, it catched up so quickly. I mean, then at some point came jQuery, which made this kind of implementation a lot of easier. So this new technology basically also means um, when it was become more and more popular and more and more pages were using it, that we added uh, a new interactional layer um, that we didn't catch with analytics. So, because some stuff now was happening without any kind of page loads. Um, and when, when we see how this has developed um, until today, so let's make a fast forward until today. Today, when I go on the website, it can happen that, based on the technology, like that this website only loads one time. So, um, these implementations are called single-page applications. And what they do is basically like you come on this website and it loads the full website code basically into your browser. And then it runs in the browser. So it's not loading any new pages. So, of course, it loads data. Um, so when you request a new page, so you might need some data. But it's just getting this data asynchronously 
uh, from the server and just and then changes the data within the browser without loading uh, a page, uh, which makes application today more interactive and also like often like quicker and so on because like um, you don't really have to wait until the full page loads again. So you just load in increments of this page, and um, and so with the old technology of a page view tracking. Today, you would have one page view of a session. That's it. So you wouldn't know more. So it's basically like it's it's the same black box again. I mean, the, the page loads and that's it. So you know, okay, someone loads the page. But what happens on the page, you don't know. And so with, with Web 2.0 at some point, not directly, but at some point afterwards, uh, something came which we now call events, and so tracking events. And um, I don't know who was the first one. I might think that it was Kissmetrics who introduced events um, uh, as the first tracking tool, but please, everyone else who was before Kissmetrics, um, please um, bear with me because I just can't remember. So Kissmetrics was the first one where I saw it. And um, with tracking events, so you basically also apply a little bit of JavaScript code on your website, and then you say, okay, I want to track every user interaction. So you can track clicks, scrolls, I mean, even mouse movements if you want. And there were still tools around to track mouse movements in a way. And so um, that was all possible. And this added a such different layer to 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 analytics that, for example, for Google Analytics was kind of weird, and it still is. And this is an important thing that we'll come back later. It's like, I mean, Google Analytics at some point introduced events too. And so, of course, like they, they saw the same stuff, like there's stuff happening on the page that it's not tracked by page views, and so they added it. But because all the data model was based on a page view model, they basically just... I don't know, extended it a little bit so that events are there. But events were not really at the core, they were just an extension. And so I would call like in, in GA universal, events are still like a second-class citizen. Um, they, on the one hand, they were still introduced in a really, really weird way where basically... All the other tools were not using the same thing. So Google introduced it in having three different dimensions, so category, action, and label. And it was strange because, honestly, I could never really explain, uh, at least not category and label in some ways. I mean, action, fine. Uh, I mean, an event, event is usually a result of an action. So, um, of course, this makes sense, but everything else doesn't make sense. So you could just say, okay, category is what it is. It's a category, so it's like a folder. And so, um, strange. And and in the end, like, they did not really connect it well with all the other parts. So you could always see, like, that, page views and sessions, so session is basically just a derived matrix of, of page views, um, they were really like the first-class citizens. And so like the like you, you could build more reports around them. And so on. like events were always there in their own reports, but you couldn't really connect it with other stuff. And so that was st is still like one of the biggest problems I see with universal analytics. And so like, for example, Kissmetrics introduced a model that was definitely different. And they made it pretty easy and powerful. So they introduced events by 
you give it a name, so an event name, and you can add some properties. So, um, for example, if you have an event um, user logged in, you can add some properties like, um, for example, like login type, email, or password, or uh, with uh, with Google login, with Facebook login, whatever. So you can extend events with different kind of properties, and by that you can um, create this one powerful thing. It's like adding context to stuff that's happening on your website. And the the model is super easy. It's, it's super nice, nice to work with, and. Um, and so, in the end, the huge problem with the Google Analytics um, event model was like, as I already said, so it never really fitted the use cases. So we became quite crea creative to, to work with that. And so one way of creativity was always like that we use the label field to basically put in all our ideas for properties that we would have. But in the end, it, we ended up with label fields that we're holding, let's say, five or six property values in one field and we just use a delimiter like, I don't know, a comma or two underscores or whatever uh, to basically fill in the values. So it was, yeah, not really nice because in the end, after some time, people forgot <laughs> what basically these values were standing for and, um, yeah, kind of a mess. So it it, it, it does not really work. And... Um, so, for example, if you want to um, connect the event data with, for example, marketing data to see, okay, people coming from specific um, search campaigns, how they perform against specific events, it was not easy out of the box. So you usually had to um, use the event and then create um, a goal out of it, and then you could basically match it up. And so, on the other hand, events and custom dimensions was always like hard to understand how to use it because like of course yeah, can, you can use a custom dimension with an event which is then kind of a property but I mean in the free account you just have 20 total so you won't use them as properties and and so not really a nice implementation but one interesting thing happens and so this is now going back to, to the history episode as well where we already touched based on that is like um, in the mobile analytics world, things were different. So, I mean, apps were naturally later than, than websites. And so, uh, of course, like they, they appeared at a time where, let's say, website analytics already has evolved to some point. And, um, and the interesting thing is like, I mean, apps has one advantage. And so apps don't really have page views. I mean, they have screens, but apps were from day one because they behave more like an app as the name says, more like an application. And so they were built like this. And so, of course, there were more interaction already with the interface that was not, you could not really say, okay, this is depending on the page view model. And so page views were never a thing. So I think I cannot really remember that a mobile analytics tool did page views. Some still do screen views, <laughs> which is like term from a term better and still looks strange to me um but yeah so some do um but the event model was basically um the 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 initial model that you used when you had when you do um app analytics because it was just natural 
And so um, you, the event model was basically then the standard uh, when it comes to that. And so, for example, Mixpanel and Amplitude, um, which both started as mobile analytics services, today they are different, uh, have a different um, target, but at that point they were really clear mobile analytics um, services. Um, they also like just introduced the same model that Kissmetrics already used, like with event name and properties. And also like, and then also like, um, base everything around uh, around a user and so um, have a user identifier and then basically hook events around this kind of user. And so like, interesting, so like in the end, um, the, the, the app analytics part became two cornerstones and which is like, on the one hand, the user focus. So you have an identifier and which was much easier in apps. So because you, at least you have a device ID, which is kind of unique, a lot more unique than a cookie value. And so, um, so, we had, let's say, a user or device, so a very strong one, um, I don't know, one entity focus, and then we could build just all the events around that this device is doing within the app. And so, um, interestingly, at some point, these, these app stuff then... I mean, it was there already in the web. So, as I said, Kissmetrics was already there. Uh, but I think it, it definitely put more emphasis on this that when new stuff was happening also in the, uh, in the web that no one basically really put the page view stuff into the center. And so, for example, when Segment were, were building there, we integrate all tracking sources into one place um, service, um, they just do it based on the mobile data model. And so um, also like for all the website in integration. So of course they had a, a page view track as well, but the page view thing was just a special event uh, within their model. But the core model was basically really like you have event name, you have properties. And um, so <laughs> interestingly, when, when you worked with segment and you wanted to send the segment data to Google Analytics, you always had to add specifically three properties, which was category, action, and label. Super weird. Um, it was always hard to explain why we have one value already in a proper uh, property, but then also have to map it to a specific property, which we call, I think, I, I th maybe there was a special term for it, but at least you had to have a special category property where you can send then this data to GA. Super weird. So, I mean, I now said enough times how super weird the, the GA universal analytics um, event model is. And so I think this basically builds the bridge to, to the next part I want to explain. is like, so why we have a new data model in GA4? Um, and I guess I did all the introduction to make it really easy to, to, to maybe um, get an idea why. It's like the, the old model doesn't fit anymore. Um, we don't really have real page views. So I already described. So modern websites basically have one page view and then everything else is happening within like one page view, um, loaded page view in a browser. So like... And we have a ton of interactions on a page. I mean, honestly, a website today is not really a website anymore. It's often like an application, like we have in the mobile apps. And so, um, of course, like interaction is happening within one uh, in this web application. 
and we want to get an idea what people are doing there. And so, um, and another thing what we can also see is like more and more services try to get um, people create an account or log in more earlier for, for several reasons. Um, let's leave out the marketing stuff why it makes marketing easier, but also like for tracking purpose, uh, it makes it easier because you can do the same thing like you do within apps that you can center everything around an account ID. And so then you can have an account ID and then have all the different kind of um, events around it. And also, like, I think which is a, a major factor is, like, since Firebase, and we, we touched on that in the last episode, so Firebase basically was a mobile analytics tool. And so, of course, like, they adopted the event model that was there already. So they didn't really did some weird stuff. So they just did the market standard and they implemented it. And so... Google Analytics for Firebase was already, um, as, let's say, the event model at a core, and they invested a lot of time to make it uh, really performant. And so to really have um, a, a system where you can have millions of events, uh, but you still get your reports without sampling. So we never really talked about sampling yet, and not so much so like in the in the old or in the universal analytics world, because of, I think because of the data model and of course like because of storage and CPU limitations at the time when they were starting to do it, um, they introduced sampling. So in the end, with sampling, they reduced the data size and used statistical, sorry, uh, statistical methods to um, basically uh, calculate the numbers up. So this made the whole load on the whole calculation a lot easier because you did it with less data. And um, and on the other hand, um, so it, it was still okay. I mean, at that time, analytics was not a precise science. I mean, it's still not is today, but at that time it was even more like this. And so, um, but this was different in, in Firebase. So in Firebase, they had, um, you could have millions of events, but still you could use your reports without sampling. So you got the full data, which... I mean, sounds crazy, but it was quite of a new thing at that time. And so, um, I mean, that's the reason why, why GA4 is basically just built on, on Firebase, uh, because it just fits for today. And so Universal Analytics was built on a, on a, on a data model that was built for the Patriot times and for the old websites and so on, but... Basically, time has moved on. And so this is the reason why we have a new model. And so we have to live and we have to learn with it. And so this will be also like the interesting parts in, in the next episode where we really look into it. But I still say they still have some strange knots in Google Analytics 4 to the old Universal Analytics version. Um, so for example, for some reasons, and I don't know why people do this, they call it the properties, they call it attributes. And this is really strange because like everywhere else, they're basically called properties. Um, but for some reasons, Google now said, no, actually we call them attributes. Which, especially for me, who's working with a lot of different um, tracking systems is always hard because I usually tend to call them properties as well. And then my clients, for example, are always confused. They say, what are properties? And I say, yeah, it's actually attributes. Ah, okay. And, the other thing which I still find really, really weird is like the custom dimensions are still around. I mean, 
in, in Universal Analytics, customer mention was perfect. I mean, when they were introduced, it was a huge win because you basically had the possibility to add some dimensions that were really like custom to your business. And so, for example, you could also extend events with that. But with this flexible event model that you have now in GA, which basically is you have an event name and you have whatever properties you want to uh, want to define for this event, it's still weird that, you, that they say you need custom dimensions. And at the moment, you basically need them to, because this is another strange thing, uh, and I come to it, I, why I think they have it is like, so when you define your attributes to an event, they don't automatically appear in the Google Analytics reports. So they appear when you, when you get the raw data into BigQuery, there you will see it. But they don't appear in the interface, which is kind of weird. And for example, it's totally different to, to Google Analytics UA, where everything was appearing what you sent into the system. No, you have to define an attribute as a custom dimension. When you do it, then it appears in the, in the reports. Super, I don't know, super strange. But you really have to know this when you work with, with GA4. So nothing that you have to find comes, uh, so the event by itself comes automatically, but the attributes you define don't appear automatically. So you have to define a custom dimension for it. Super weird. But maybe, so maybe the limitation, or one explanation for the limitation could be like, what you have to keep in mind is like, GA was always built as a very, let's say, gracious free tool. Uh, and we talked about marketing purposes at some point already, which is still is. I think GA is still kind of a marketing channel for Google in some ways. And so because they have this extensive free offering, they have to make the, f the system cost efficient. And so one way to optimize costs is basically to limit what you show in the, your reports because um, you, have prepare, you have to prepare the data, what you show in the reports. And so um, and the more stuff you do there, the more computation and so on, and storage and caching and I don't know. So you have to have in place. And so with this limitation that you basically still have to say, yeah, but I want to have this, I don't know, 20 or 30 uh, attributes showing up in my reports and I have to define the dimensions around it, I think is basically might be the reason because it's, um, it's, it's a big free tool for most of the people. Some people use it and pay for it, but they still stuck with the data model, which is strange as well. But well, here we are. <sighs> okay, so in the end, just, just to sum a little bit up, what is changing for you with the data model? Um, so if you're already using events in Google Analytics Universal, then quite a lot will change for you. Um, when you already have some experience with mobile tracking, then it's kind of a piece of cake for you because in the end, it's basically like you know the system already, you know how it works, now you can just do it on your website. That's it. And so if you haven't worked with event name and attributes before, of course it's a change. I mean, you basically have to rethink stuff. But I would say it's not so difficult because... I always think that event names and attribute model is much more natural than this weird category action label. And so in the end, just think of 
this is like um, normal organiza organization system. So um, you might have, I don't know, a milk. And this milk can have different kind of properties. So it can have a size like one liter or... Um, it can have um, fat percentage, I don't know, 1.5. So I think this is, this is how we experience things. And so this is like what, what makes this event attribute model, I think it's, it's closer to what, what we act with every day. And so maybe just, just do an example because I think that makes it more clear. And let's say we have a newsletter subscribe page where a user can subscribe to a newsletter and it can also select some topics that she likes. And so um, in universal analytics, we would have implemented this as, let's say we use a category, which we call newsletter. Then we have an action, which is called subscribed. And then we have a label where we put in topic one, comma, topic two, and so on. So um, this totally works. Uh, in GA4, we would do it not so much differently. So we would have an event name, which we would call event, um, so which we call newsletter subscribed. Um, and then we would have an attribute, which we would call newsletter topics. And then we would just add the same stuff, topic one, comma, topic two. So as you can see, it's not so much different um, to the universal one. It's just more explicit in the naming. So on the one hand... Um, You have total freedom with the event name, of course, like you have total freedom what you put into category. And one learning what I had because of like all the other event-based setups I did is like the old object action model works pretty well here. So um, just do the object, in that case newsletter, and then you have the action, subscribed, and uh, you just put it together. That's it. And so the good thing is like it reads pretty easily. So someone coming from the outside and just seeing newsletter subscribed and then he can see, oh yeah, there's a newsletter topics as attributes. You don't have to explain it to them. If they look into, oh uh, yeah, there's category. And so you just see newsletter and then you click on that and you see action subscribe. I mean, I guess this is still doable as well, but people often like design category action in a weird way and then it's complicated to understand. I think in GA4 can, if you name events properly, and we will come to that at some point, how you do that, um, if, you, if you name them properly, um, it's much easier to read. And so um, that's, for example, why I'm quite happy to, that we have now a different system. Um, one thing which, which you should keep in mind is like, one thing which is new as well is like, um, how we handle user attributes. Because in the end, we just talked about events and attributes, but you can also have user attributes. And in, in universal analytics, you handled this, you, had a, you could create custom dimensions with a user scope. And the one downside of this is like, so the reason why you do this is like, you want to create, a, let's say, a higher level entity where you assign a different attribute. So for example, has subscribed to a newsletter, true. So because you can then use this value to filter your event data, for example, just show me the events for users that have subscribed to a newsletter. And you don't really have to explicitly add this to all events. So it's basically get inherited. And this is great about um, custom dimensions with user scope in universal analytics, and I use them a lot. Um, what was a little bit annoying was when you set this value in a, in, a, in a custom dimension with user scope. So, for example, you have a journey. Someone comes on your website, 
uh, it has not subscribed to your newsletter yet. And so they click through the website and at some point they come to um, the newsletter subscription page and then they sign up for the newsletter. And then you send um, an event that sets the user attribute to newsletter subscribed. In universal analytics, for this whole session, it would get this newsletter subscribed true event. So the last value that you put into this user attribute. And I mean, that's was mm -hmm. ridiculous because like all the events that this user did before were obviously in a state where they haven't subscribed to a newsletter. So this created, I mean, edge case stuff, but still it was weird. And so this is changing now. So in, in, in GA4 um, with user attributes, when you set the value to um, newsletter subscribed true, all the events that come from this point of time will basically inherit this value. So th there you can see the data model is different, it's behaving differently. And so this is much better because it's much more precise and kind of an example where really like, how to say, uh, uh, yeah, the, 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 the things um, got a lot easier. So that said, you learned that, okay, what, what we learned today was basically like, there was a reason why, why universal analytics, how it is, and what, how the data model was, how, how it is, and it's just like for historic reasons. Um, and we also learned why in GA4 we have a different data model, and we, why this data model totally makes sense, because, um, yeah, uh, it it fits to this world where we are right now, where basically like the things that we interact act like applications and so we have a lot more interactions and so therefore we, it, it's really necessary that we have the events as our cornerstone, as our core thing, as the first class citizens of our data model. And one thing I think which is difficult for people to learn in this kind of scenario is really like we definitely get more freedom how to how to design a system uh, because we break out of this like we have page views and we have this weird three uh, layers of, of events and so now we have full freedom so we can do whatever we want um, but as we all know with freedom becomes the problem of choice and one thing that we I think which is hard or which is a little bit harder to learn is basically like how you set up a tracking for Google Analytics 4 and this is really an essential question. And that's why I don't do it today. And that's why I do it in the next episode. And so in the next episode, we will basically go through how you create a tracking plan for Google Analytics 4. And um, I think, I mean, of course, like we do this uh, in a podcast. And so it's, it will be a little bit different than a hands-on session. But still, I think it gives you some kind of idea um, how you approach a tracking setup with GA4. And so I hope the explanation of the data model today helped you a little bit and see you in the next episode.